Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Sort of, obviously. I'm Jason. I am a guy currently in semi-quarantined recovery. <laughs> and my name is Billy. I'm also a person in, uh, I guess, semi-quarantine recovery. Yeah. So we're we're here to talk about uh, recovery, sort of, as always. But today, a little bit special, a little bit different. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world, the, the coronavirus. Um, it seems irresponsible not to talk about how this relates to our recovery. And so I think we decided we were going to cover it. Um, we also tried to cover some of the ways that it's impacting recovery, the recovery community meetings. Yeah. I mean, it's having a huge impact on, on everybody's way of life for sure. And that for sure includes our way of recovery. Um, and we wanted to give some options on what you can do if you're worried about, you know, how this is affecting your recovery. We give you some options of things you can do as well. Absolutely. And some reminders to just be compassionate to other people's beliefs, whatever you believe about what we should be doing about the coronavirus. Um, and so before we get into that, we thought it'd be kind of irresponsible not to give any background. I know many people do watch the news. Uh, some people never watch any of this stuff or keep up with it. So if you would like some facts, that is what we get into first. And if you have seen enough news and facts about Corona and do not need that aspect, <laughs> uh, skip about 15 minutes, 16 minutes into this, and you should be getting past the, the facts portion or towards the end of it, and you won't catch too much of it and get too annoyed. Uh, so with that, we will jump into the facts. So one of the important things to remember before we even talk about the facts is just uh, compassion and understanding and open-mindedness, right? Like not everybody agrees on facts. There's people who think there's conspiracy theories behind all this, that maybe China did it, maybe the U.S. did it, maybe Google did it. Who knows? I've seen all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I think when we talk about facts, we want to say, hey, we're pulling these from the best information sites we can find. We're talking about Harvard, you know, the World Health Organization, the CDC, uh, the Center for Disease Control. Like these are supposedly the scientific experts. Uh, they're the, the best thing that we have to pull information from. If everybody is on board with lying to people and humanity, I don't know that we're going to be able to find better facts than this, right? Like if everybody is ready to lie to us and, and have a conspiracy theory, like this is still the best information I can come together with. I can't fight that amount of conspiracy scale um, personally. And so this is the information I'm choosing to work with. Um, I just want us to all understand that some people have different beliefs. And so, you know, when I say facts, I don't mean that you don't have the ability to not believe them. You're welcome to. Um, <laughs> And this is nothing different than you're going to hear on any news station for the most part. Uh, you might hear some stuff different on some stations, depending on what their agenda is. But this is just the basics. Nothing new. Um, what we don't believe, uh, we do not believe that this is an attack from China 
or a political plan of action to take out the election, which I've seen a bunch of times. Uh, I don't <laughs> think all the people in it- Italy who are losing relatives and loved ones are, are thinking that this is about the Democrats trying to get Trump out of office. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not the worldwide sentiment of what's going on here right now. Yeah, and I heard uh, one of the leading infectious disease uh, doctors, uh, Dr. Michael Osterholm, said that they can actually use uh, genetic testing now to come up with, you know, basically almost like an origin and a timestamp for when this virus came out, where it came from, what it what it is. Right. Um, and they don't believe that it was man-made or engineered in any way we don't have even the capabilities to even make something remotely close to that Mm. so that's that's good to know i mean i'm sure there are people who don't trust that doctor's opinion or anything um i i do find it interesting that frequently we we seem to be at odds with the professionals who've studied these diseases and you know gotten degree after degree and understanding and and specializing in these types of things like these are people who are well educated and you know definitely studied up and and well knowledge and we seem to disagree with them on a hunch or feelings level at times (laughs) and i'm just i'm baffled at times by that like look i have hunches right and what a difference a week makes in in my take on this whole thing i found it very interesting a week ago and now i find it interesting for completely different reasons but we're we're trying to do a quick rehash of these facts so let's tie into that um coronaviruses in general are extremely common cold uh, extremely common causes of colds and other upper respiratory infections meaning that this coronavirus is not a singular thing this is something that has been around for quite a long time in different variations and different variations come along as time goes and infect people and we have mers and sars and different outbreaks of these sorts that we name different things this one just happens to be called covid-19 for right now it'll probably get some other spiffy name at some point in time <laughs> Uh, you want to do the next one? Sure. COVID-19, short for Coronavirus Disease 2019, is the official name given by the World Health Organization to the disease caused by this newly identified coronavirus. Uh, yeah, and numbers are rapidly, rapidly changing. So as of yesterday, the re- situation report that we have come across <clears throat> talks about a total of 142,000 plus confirmed global cases of this. Um 5,300 plus deaths um, from this. Uh, and, and, you know, according to that, in the last 24 hours, 400 of those deaths were new. 9,000 of the confirmed cases were new. So, like, this is definitely just in the beginning, kind of, of its spread and spreading rapidly. Yeah. So, it has spread so rapidly and to so many countries that the World Health Organization has declared it a pandemic. Uh, pandemic is a term indicating that it has affected a large population, region, country, or continent. Right. And as we know, this is all over the place. They're looking at Europe as the epicenter right now of, of things outside of China, at least. Um, so some people infected with the virus will have no symptoms. When the virus does cause symptoms, common symptoms will be low-grade fever, body aches, coughing, nasal congestion, runny nose, and sore throat. However, COVID-19 can occasionally cause more severe symptoms like high fever, severe cough, and shortness of breath, which often indicates pneumonia. That's generally for people who have predisposing uh, ailments, like other things that affect their health that are already going on before they get this. That's usually where that comes in to play. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that this whole thing can't also have an effect on the entire system as it goes. We talk about it like, oh, I'm a healthy whatever year old. I don't have nothing to worry about. I don't have older family members in my house. No big deal. But if our emergency response service system gets overwhelmed and all the coronavirus cases are in the emergency room and that's where all the ambulances are going is to serve people for that, then they're going to take twice as long to get to your car accident and maybe not save your life. Like, Yeah. And one of the things I heard this morning uh, on the news, of course, that's where I get some of my information, not all all of it, but some on the news this morning, uh, they had said that for most, you know, normal, healthy people that get the coronavirus, they can treat it themselves at home. It's not like you need to get it if you find out you got it or you think you might have it, that you immediately need to run to the hospital and check yourself in. Um, that actually, that panic is what overwhelms the health system. Right. That for most people, it is going to be like another common cold or the flu. And if you, you know, have some mild symptoms, you should do what you would normally do. Stay home, rest, you know, try to get your immune system up, you know, with healthy vitamins, minerals, doing doing things you would normally do. And you only need to seek medical help if it gets severe, like a severe respiratory issues, uh, like pneumonia type symptoms but for most people just if you think you might have it or even if you do have it you don't need to rush to the doctor right and then not only do you not need to i think the suggestion right now is if you might think you have it and you're not in any emergency situation to call a local health facility to get information about it and right. definitely not run out to <laughs> right it or to go running into the emergency room right <laughs> right, right. Uh, Yeah, because the coronavirus has just been discovered, the time for exposure to symptoms onset, known as its incubation period, for most people has yet to be determined. Um, Based on current information, symptoms could appear as soon as three days after exposure to as long as 13 days. Recently published research found that on average, the incubation period is about five days. And this is kind of why we have this two-week period right now that we're kind of going through to sort of everybody, hey, sit back, chill, relax, let's stop spreading this for a little bit, at least as fast as we do in schools and places like that. And let's see where we're at in two weeks, like after the incubation period, how many people really already have this? And then let's go from there. Um, Coronavirus is thought to spread mainly from person to person. This can happen between people who are in close contact with one another Droplets that are produced when an infected person coughs or sneezes may land in the mouths or noses of people who are nearby. Ew, gross. Yep. <laughs> um, or possibly be inhaled into their lungs. Coronavirus can also spread from contact with infected surfaces or objects. For example, a person can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has, uh, you know, the COVID-19 virus. We don't know door handles. Honestly, I doubt we really know any of this for sure is we're probably just going by what we're familiar with with other coronaviruses that have been around um but i would imagine you know you want to be safe wipe things down not touch people too too often don't touch your goddamn face which is impossible i know (laughs) i'm a face toucher yeah me too my eyes itch a lot i have allergies so it's terrible i'm constantly kind of wiping my nose or rubbing my eyes Um, okay, so some things we can do uh, as far as to, to minimize this spread would be avoid contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and, nose and mouth. Stay home when you're sick. Cover your coughs or sneezes with a tissue, then throw the tissue in the trash. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces using regular household cleaning spray or wipes. 
Wash your hands often with soap and water. Uh, virus. Then touching. Oh, people spread the virus when they touch these surfaces and then touch their own mouth, nose, or possibly their eyes. So, uh, your immune system is your body's defense system. When a harmful invader like a cold or flu virus or the coronavirus gets in your body, your immune system mounts an attack known as an immune response. This attack is a sequence of events that involves various cells unfolds over time. This is what happens when you get sick, when viruses enter your body. Um, Following general health guidelines is the best step you can take toward keeping your immune system strong and healthy. Every part of your body, including your immune system, functions better when protected from environmental assaults and bolstered by healthy living strategies such as these. Here we go. Don't smoke. Eat a diet high in fruits, vegetables, whole grains. Take a multivitamin if you suspect you may not be getting all the nutrients you need through your diet. Exercise regularly. Maintain a healthy weight. Control your stress level. Control your blood pressure. If you drink alcohol, drink only in moderation. Yeah, whatever the hell that means. Uh, Get enough sleep. Take steps to avoid infection, such as washing your hands frequently and trying not to touch your hands to your face. Ha! That's a joke. Mm -hmm. Since harmful germs can enter through your eyes, nose, and mouth, uh, my eyes definitely, like you said, are the place I touch the most constant. And one of the things, you know, one of the reasons there was a lot of concern uh, for this in the United States is because we lead the world in all of those high risk factors. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's one thing they see these high, high death rates in other countries, right. but if it were to spread that rapidly in this country, we would probably have a higher death rate because we suffer with smoking, obesity, uh, substance abuse, you Blood know, pressure. all of those categories that they talk about are the harmful ones. Are We lead in all of those. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, again, checking in, what do you do? You call your doctor or pediatrician if you think you might have it. Um, if you do not have a doctor or pediatrician and concerned that you or your child have it or anybody in your house, you can contact your local board of health. They can direct you to the best place to get evaluated. It's best not to seek medical care in an emergency department unless you have symptoms of severe illness. Severe symptoms include high or very low body temperature, shortness of breath, confusion, or feeling you might pass out. So what we're saying here is definitely not to not get checked out, but if you're not feeling like something is severely wrong where you would normally run to an emergency room, generally don't run to an emergency room. There's nothing to really go. We don't need to panic just because this is a new illness. We treat it like we do our other illnesses, basically. Right. And the way they're treating it, it's not like some early detection is going to you know, minimize your risk, at least what they know at this point. Right. They're going to say, go home and rest and don't touch people, <laughs> but mostly. Um, and so uh, we've given you the numbers. We've given you the facts. Uh, the purpose, I think, and some people might know this or might not know this, depending on how well the news is doing its job. I tend to not watch the news, so I really have no idea if this is the information they're spreading or not. But this is not about stopping the spread. This is not about uh, ending or curing the pandemic. Like that's not why we're taking this break in in things that are going on. And depending on where you're listening to this, you may or may not have a break in, in services around your area. We happen to be in Maryland. Our schools are shut down for two weeks. Our our government offices are pretty much shut down for public entry. Um, I happen to be in the mental health field and our practice is shut down for two weeks. We're doing completely teletherapy for two weeks, which is like 
our goal is to lead the way and be responsive to, hey, let's not panic about this, but let's also be professional and handle it in a way that doesn't, you know, create the spread of this to other people. Um, and so the the goal ultimately, from from what I can understand, is that we want to slow down the spread, right? We want to slow down the spread. We want to see exactly where we're at with everything, take a two-week period, and then reassess if the spread of this doesn't get slowed down and you see what's happening in places like Italy or places that weren't really prepared and didn't take any measures because we didn't know yet, they got overwhelmed. Like their emergency services system is overwhelmed. I, I read a story and I don't know how completely accurate it is, but it seemed pretty accurate that a guy had his sister uh, die from this in their home in Italy. And it took like 48 hours for anybody to come get her. Like she was just dead in bed because there's nobody to do anything at this point in time. Everybody's kind of quarantined to their house and, and not allowed out. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's overwhelming. And then you look at that and like we talked about, so somebody goes into shock from eating peanut butter, right? Anaphylactic shock or being allergic to anything, or somebody gets in a car accident or you have an accident around your home and then there's no emergency services to come help you because everybody is so overwhelmed already. Um, and that becomes a really dangerous situation that affects everyone. So I think, I think it's really interesting. I, I'm totally amazed by the response we're having right now and in various different ways. Uh, what's your take on any of this? We think we've covered enough of the facts. Or? Yeah. Well, and I think it's a pretty serious, uh, virus. I think it's something that we should be taking very serious. Um, but I also think there are some, you know, rational steps that most people can take to minimize their risk, to minimize their exposure. And, uh, if people would just take it a little bit serious, most, you know, that would help a lot, Right, right. <laughs> you know, just do the minimal amount of things. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, if you believe in it or not, if we have the chance to possibly save some lives, awesome. Like, why not try that? Right. We're not always sure that any of our measures are going to work or save lives or help people, but let's investigate. Let's try it and see what happens. So let's be on board and hope it happens, even if we don't believe it will. Yeah. Um, and like a typical, you know, self-centered addict, most of the time, I will think like, hey, I'm healthy. I'm fine. I'm not worried about going out. I'll do whatever I want. You know, this is stupid. It's an inconvenience. It's unfair of me not to think about the risk that I pose to other people as I go about my day and do my things. You know, I mm -hmm. I can be a transmitter of it. So what? I'll get a mild grade flu. That's fine for me. But if I transmit it to your grandmother or your spouse who's got a illness or transmit it to you and then you take it home to your spouse or your elderly grandmother, you know, I should take a little bit of responsibility for my own behaviors to try to minimize my potential to spread. You know, if I'm not worried about myself, I should at least think a little bit about the people around me. No, absolutely. I, I would 100% agree. This is kind of where I start to get frustrated often with people on Facebook. Look, not that I don't have the same self-centered thoughts, right? I completely do. I'm like, fuck it. This isn't going to hurt me. I'm fine, which I'm not even sure about that anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. I say that. Um, and this is what I see on Facebook and I get, I'm like, dude, if this was your grandmother, your mother, somebody that was a loved one to you, you would give a fuck, right? Like if it got passed to them and you were losing them and this is your last moments on earth with them because people did not 
or, or do enough or, or take this seriously enough, it would really fucking hurt your feelings. And so why are we so quick to just say, fuck everybody, I'll do what I want. It's really <laughs> incredible to me at times. Like, and I do it. I, I question myself too. I'm not trying to judge people here, but I guess the moments when I'm able to step out of it, I look at others and I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this what we are as humans? Like, yeah. And, and to play through the whole emotional thing. So I think back, so my mom died, you know, September, a year ago, September, mm. and she had, you know, COPD. So she had serious lung and respiratory issues. And, you know, if she were still alive now, basically me, my wife, my children would not be able to go visit her because I had recently been in contact with somebody that came back from Europe, minimal contact, but still it's like the, the risk factor is so high that I would now have to separate myself for a couple of weeks from my mom who is dying, you know, who we're trying to spend a lot of time with to be around a lot. And now all of a sudden, you know, because someone wasn't educated or someone didn't take a little bit of personal responsibility, you know, here I'm at risk, you know, and so it's sometimes it's easy to forget how those scenarios play out in other people's lives, you know, or can play out in other people's lives. So me taking a little bit of personal responsibility to just say, hey, look, you know, I can take care of my side of the street, make sure I'm not, you know, spreading it. If I do get it, I don't need to be all that worried and panicky and fearful about it. But if I feel like I'm getting sick, I should stay the fuck home. stay away from other people no absolutely and the scary part is a lot of this spreading is going to happen before we actually feel sick or have any ability to you know self-quarantine for a while we're going to be passing it along and that's that's how this spreads so quick because people do that right um and so we did so we did like my wife and kids and i because i i guess Normal people go, I know everyone in my house goes through the thing, like all of a sudden you notice you have a cough, you think oh, your yeah. throat's a little sore, so now all of a sudden you're fucking sure you're infected with it. Yep. So so we broke out the thermometer, we got you know, one of the ones you stick on your forehead just to check your temperature, so we broke that out, it's laying on the table, we all check our temperature probably way more than we ever have in the last five years. Right, know? right. And uh, just, just to be sure, you know, it's kind of like gives just a little bit of calming, a little bit of reassurance that, you know, okay, I'm still okay for right now. I'm not running a fever. <laughs> I just, I'm thinking about, I need to make a meme that's like, uh, you know, some of my family might be susceptible and I have five kids and a wife that kind of drive me crazy. So I'm like running to be in contact with someone that just came back from Europe. Just to, <laughs> oh, I got self-quarantined in a hotel for a couple weeks, dear. Sorry. Right. Uh, or some meme about people greeting each other at a meeting with one of them temperature things up to your forehead. Like that's how we greet now. No more, no more hugs. It's just a... Temperature Don't they thing have those things you can like zap from across the room <laughs> oh, yeah. and tell the temperature? Hell yeah, yeah. we're gonna be, we're gonna be laser tagging <laughs> right. with the temperature zappers. <laughs> Fuck, I, I now see, I can't tell anybody to skip the fact section. That was good. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I think we should just pause here. We'll do our voices ad, and then we'll come back and talk about how this functionally affects us uh, as humans and and people in recovery. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope Inc a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause.
All right. So moving on to uh, more of our conversation about recovery and how this all ties in, we want to start with a couple of maybe formal statements that we have. So the NA World Services statement regarding coronavirus. Uh, we've had many inquiries and questions about health concerns regarding the coronavirus. While it is not our role to make statements regarding health issues, we encourage NA groups to discuss the situations you are facing and the options you have to provide safe environments for those who attend your meetings. Groups may want to consider asking members to temporarily stop some of the common practices found at NA meetings, such as hugging, shaking hands, offering refreshments. We may also want to consider alternatives to circling up at the end of the meeting. Some groups are discussing contingencies for the possibility that they will not be able to meet face-to-face for some period. Ideas include hosting phone meetings or online meetings. These are just a few thoughts. We honor each NA group's responsibility to discuss and to determine what is best for their meeting, which is in line with NA. It's the upside-down pyramid idea where the, the groups are at the top, and you know NA World Service is the servant to the rest of the groups in NA. Um, it does go on to say some stuff about contact in national or local health agencies for specific guidelines about what can and can't be done right now. You know, we can't meet in groups of, we don't want to meet in Maryland's larger 250. than 250. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that may very well change to be a lower number at some point. And, and I guess there are probably some groups that have 250 people in them. I'm not sure where. I know some bigger ones that have at least 120 in, in the Baltimore area. Um, yeah, around here, I don't think I've ever been to any, maybe some larger gatherings like picnics or, you know, dances or functions, right. but I think regular meetings wise, gosh, I don't know that I've been to any that are 250 in well, this area yeah, anyway. No, <laughs> yeah. no. And so what you're, what you're mentioning, like conventions, uh, there's a large convention that our area usually, you know, goes to or participates in the Ocean City. Uh, we call it the Ocean City Convention, even though yeah. it's not it's the Chesapeake and Potomac yeah, region or CMP whatever. region. But uh, that's coming up real soon, yeah. and I really get the feeling they're going to have to cancel that. I know they're holding off on it as far as I understand right well, now. And I know the area in Delaware, Small Wonder area, they canceled their convention. was supposed to actually be this weekend oh, that just yeah. passed, and they canceled that. Yeah, so. man, it's uh it's definitely affecting that level for sure. And, and what we're seeing now is a lot of groups, I see a lot of groups being forced to close because of, you know, churches closing down. I think the entire yeah. Methodist church uh, has closed down all across everywhere. Even though I have seen, I saw signs driving here this morning on a Methodist church that said church was still open, which right. was, I was like, I thought, Meth- whatever. Um, but there's also groups that are voting that as a home group that it's better for them not to meet, which is, you know, an interesting thing to me. Um, and, and we'll get into some more of that in just a minute. So uh, one of the other ones, Europe is being uh, uh, hugely hit by this at the moment. And so the continental European region of Alcoholics Anonymous, I reached out to them. Uh, they now have a statement. Numerous meetings in Europe are temporarily suspended due to the coronavirus. We therefore suggest checking with the meeting contact person to see if the meeting is open before attending. Groups are also encouraged to let the central or continental European region know of any changes to their meetings so we can update our meeting list. Fortunately, during the suspension, many groups are moving to an online meeting format. The latest information can be found in each meeting listings notes section. And so maybe they're doing a, a better job at keeping up with uh, updating their centralized location. I have always noticed that for Narcotics Anonymous meetings, 
<clears throat> the World Service website is the absolute worst place to go for updated information yeah. about local NA meetings. Yeah. Um, I know they have apps. They have the World Service site. Whenever I've used any of that, it is highly outdated. Whenever I travel somewhere and need information about the most local information about whether a meeting still exists, I try to find the area's website for sure. I feel like that's the more close-knit, tied-in, might-be-accurate and even at that level, that's frequently still has mistakes and errors and closed meetings on it, um, which is unfortunate. But so what, what we're getting at is these statements that are being made uh, are, are definitely telling of where we're at right now. We're in a place where meetings are being forced to not be held or choosing to not be held. And, and there are online meetings and, and phone call meetings, and these have always existed um, but I think they are really something being used now by many, many more people than would normally use them. Yeah, and there have always been these resources for online meetings. Um, we've looked into some different times when we've been traveling. Um, you know, in a case where we were out in a remote part of Utah, you know, where there were not any meetings, mm. you know, we'd looked into online meetings and and most of them are you know, it's different, obviously, than yeah. sitting in a room, you know, with people that you see on a regular basis. But it is similar in that if you participate in those meetings on a regular basis, it's usually pretty easy to build some relationships there, to build some friendships. Uh, for me personally, the video meetings, probably more so than the phone meetings, of which they have both. They have video conferencing type meetings where you can actually see the people that are talking. Everybody's kind of sitting there with a webcam or, or most people, some, right. not everyone. And not everyone puts a picture of themselves up there for right. anonymity reasons, but you can, if you want. And most of the people generally do, um, or there are phone meetings where you can just call in and you just, you know, like a phone conference. Mm -hmm. Um, so there at least have always been these resources available. <laughs> right. Um, most people don't, utilize them because it's always been easy enough to find a local meeting um so i think for me i've all, i just enjoy face-to-face -face interaction i fucking hate the phone it drives me crazy when my daughters are on facetime or whatever google <laughs> duo video chat whatever you want to call it uh i'm always weirded out by that i'm like i don't really like that type of interaction and in fact my you know my field going to <clears throat> teletherapy has honestly i'm like yeah. who the fuck what one of my clients want to do this because i sure as fuck don't yeah. right like i'm weirded out by the whole thing um but apparently this week that's what i'll be doing with people is video chatting with them so maybe i'll get more comfortable with it yeah and i immediately felt the same i, I got sort of angry you know that all these meetings are shutting down all these places and like i understood if the the church or the facility says hey you can't meet here right like that's fine um but you know, when groups were just deciding to shut down, it, it bothered me. It, it got on my nerves because, mm. like I say, you can do video meetings and you can do these things. But for most people, um, it's not the same. It's it's just not. It's really not. And so I found this uh, and I never actually did it, but I w was strongly close to doing it, I guess. I don't know how you would say that. I was attending a different fellowship uh, and they don't have many in-person meetings. And so it's like a lot of their basis is, Hey, you might have to do these phone or web meetings and that might be all you can get in the area you're in. 
And I was like, fuck, man. So I ended up driving distances to actually get to the face-to-face meetings just because that's what works for me. But it, I don't know. It's weird to be in a situation where my my fellowship that I've considered so worldwide and available uh, now has resorted to the same thing. I don't know what to do with that. Um, what I have seen in response to this is a lot of people trying to come together and create things, which is nice, right? Like trying to solve problems, trying to create ways to make this work. Um, I've seen all kinds of stuff on social media with people like, hey, let's create a network of things to list meetings that are closed or open. Somebody invited me to a group or joined me in a group, or I don't even know how that works, but I, apparently I'm in a group that says, you know, all the meetings that are open and closed anywhere. I don't even know. I don't even know where the group's located. They started, I thought it was like a local yeah. thing. And then they're like, oh, hey, make sure you put your city and state. I'm like, oh, fuck, is this worldwide? I don't know. Yeah, what we're right. doing. But just ways to keep up because like we said, world service isn't that accurate. Uh, and so ways to keep up with what is going to be open and closed because it's changing by the hour right now. Um, yeah. And even right now, if you have our local meeting schedule, it's not very helpful uh, because super probably half, if not more than half the well, on a normal time, most of the meetings are there, you know, right. it's maybe one or two on the meeting schedule that aren't there. The time changed or whatever. But we have a fairly small, I think 30-some meetings. It's not that hard to keep track of for our area. Right. Um, so you'll occasionally get a wrong meeting. But I know like down in Baltimore, those that oh, freaking thing Lord. was terrible, you yeah. know, as far as meeting accuracy. But then on top of that now, even in our area, the, the meetings that would normally be there are closed. So if someone's new and they don't have a point of contact, right. you know, they're just – I mean – I know we have coronavirus and it's serious and all that, but there are still people coming out of treatment today, tomorrow, Wednesday. You know, they didn't shut that shit down. You know, it didn't stop. These people are coming out of detox. They're coming out of treatment. You know, they are looking for and need a place to go. Um, I got super angry that our local health department, which in this area is the center for recovery resources, they have unfortunately you know without getting too political they have made themselves that you know they have set themselves as being the central location and access to most recovery resources um as far as funding and things like that um you know they're they're closed they're just closed and so we have a few meetings uh at least na meetings i can't speak for aa and what other meetings meet there you know, I know there are some, right. but the they've shut the facility down completely. One of the people that runs one of those meetings uh, contacted them and said, well, can we put a note on your door and say, you know, the meeting that normally meets here will be there? And they said, no, no one is allowed to even come on our property. So, you know, it's like that's the response from your public health center. Like, right. that's ridiculous. Like that to me says, well, addiction is serious, but it's not that serious. You know, we'll get back to you when we feel like it's a good time. And I think the, you know, politically they run around and say, you know, how horrible addiction is and it's their major health concern and all this other stuff. But then repeatedly they show through their actions that it's not, (laughs) that it's really not. Right, right. No, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's tough. I, I can't say I'm really a fan of it either. I'm going to try to do my <laughs> best not to, to bash any local services that do at some point do something to help someone, right? right. Thank God they do something. Um, whether it's uh, enough or a lot or whether they 
have some interesting practices in the way they do that or, or keep others from doing that. I, I won't expect. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so it, a lot of people are really, you know, coming together in this time and creating other things. I think there were many people who were not aware that we have like online and phone meetings already established right. that people use all the time. And so some of that information has been put out there. I know one particular post in our area, Billy happened to supply that information. Um, and again, we just happened to look at it because we had been in some situations when we were traveling, you right. know, and so, you know, we had researched and did a little information digging for that kind of stuff. I, and so where I was coming from, we were kind of both on that Facebook post. Uh, I'm coming from the spot of, yeah, maybe that stuff does exist, but maybe there's a lot of people who are used to seeing their local NA member and recovery member. Uh, on a weekly basis and maybe that's going to do a lot more for their recovery than talking to some strangers on the phone for a couple weeks um and so from that standpoint maybe we can create our own like local web conferencing or phone-in meetings that way at least it's people you know i mean it's a little different i think if you we had one which i i'm really still going to try to talk you into coming to tonight to put (laughs) on with me because i don't know if anybody else is going to show up it might just be me and you um but if we put on a meeting tonight at 7.30 for the local area of people who actually know us in person, that's a lot different than going, you know, calling into some random meeting where you don't know anybody, I think. For me, at least, it would be. Yeah. And so I get that. And this is this is one of those issues where I'm finding with myself, when push comes to shove, I am reversing back on a, a long-held belief you know, that I've sort of quietly held to myself and have said sometimes out loud in a lot of our literature. I don't know, again, about a lot of other fellowships, but we talk about the newcomer being the most important person and the the new people, you know, are what keeps our fellowship alive. And, and those kind of things keeps us healthy in recovery. Oh, like cool. <laughs> and for a long time, I've kind of been like, hey, wait a minute, you know, still suffering addicts can be people with a lot of time. You know, it's it doesn't. I mean, yes, new people are great, but, you know, we need established members. We need to reach out to those members. We need to let them know how important and worthwhile they are. And I felt like as a as somebody that's been around a while, we sometimes get a little less credit. Now that we're in this crisis, what I'm seeing and this is just my observation is that it's the people that are established in recovery that are scrambling for themselves And they're not looking at what's best for the newcomer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm a person that's been around meetings for a year, six months, a year, two years, I've developed a network. I got six or seven people. If I really want to get together tonight, I could probably call at least 10 people that I know, guys from my home group, you, some other people say, hey, I need a meeting. You guys want to come over? I'll throw a little campfire in the backyard. We'll throw some hot dogs on the grill. And I could get six or seven people to probably show up, maybe more if I pushed it. And I could have a meeting at my house and I'd be fine. You know, but what is that doing for the newcomer? Again, the guy just coming out of treatment, the guy just coming out of detox, the guy that doesn't even have a fucking TV. So he knows very little about the coronavirus. And all he knows is he's sick and tired of being homeless and he just wants, you know, to. He's not going to get invited to my fucking house. Not because right. I wouldn't have him there, but because I don't know how to get a hold of him and he doesn't know how to get a hold of me. Right. So when we start doing all these sort of rogue and online and, and all that stuff, and we run away from our responsibility to hold those doors open at these meetings, we're shutting those people out. Those are the people that are going to suffer the most. 
Yeah, I don't. So I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know the numbers or statistics on how many groups are choosing to close versus how many aren't allowed to meet anymore because the facilities are closed. I personally would believe that it's like 80 to 90 percent forced closings, not chosen closings. Uh, I have miraculously I've seen like three different Facebook people talking about different groups that the church told them, hey, we're as a church shutting down. We're not shutting your meeting down because that shit's that important. Right. I was like blown away by that. The churches would make that kind of choice. Right. Or I, even taking that extra step to say, hey, would you mind if we just met out in the parking lot? Or would you mind right. if we show up and we have somebody there that can maybe talk to people or send them somewhere else instead of just being like, ah, church is closed. Fuck it. I'm out. That's my responsibilities done. Right. So I, honestly, for me, I, I'm like uh, my home group got shut down. Uh, I have not considered going to the actual meeting place to do that. Uh, and you may not be able to. It depends. I know some facilities have said you're not allowed on the property. Yeah, yeah, so. the, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I, think. I could probably stay on the sidewalk. And not be on the <laughs> yeah, property that's a public. Right. Yeah. yeah right there. Um, that thought honestly never crossed my mind. Um Honestly, for me, I and I don't know if I'm getting defensive here or not. I'm not trying to. I, <laughs> I didn't really want to do a meeting. At all. I was like, fuck it. I got a break, right? Like, I'm not <laughs> right. going to get high. I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, my intent to put on this meeting tonight was more because it seemed like there was a desire for it. Right. Uh, even though now that I've posted that there, you know, will be a meeting tonight, there seems to be no desire whatsoever for anybody to actually attend remotely or in person. But since I said I would, I'm going to show up and do it anyway. Fuck it. And if I'm the only one there, then I'm the only one there. Um, yeah. And I don't mean to diminish, you know, whatever, like if you're, whatever efforts you're putting forth to continue is, is good. I don't mean to diminish, oh, you're going to run off and start an online meeting. Like, no, that's cool. That's a good idea too. Like we can, it's not a one size, you know, fix right. to this. Oh, we just do this or we just do that. But you know, to just throw up our hands and be like, oh, I don't have to do anything because my church is shut down and the meetings closed. And so I have no responsibility. That was definitely I my think first is, take. And it's mine too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like a lot of times that's my, you know, first response too. But as I saw more and more of these meetings closing and, and start talking to, again, this came up other, other people in recovery that I've talked to that are running into these issues have helped me to sort of open my mind to that, to be like, Oh wow, wait a minute. You know? Yeah. There are still fucking people coming out of treatment. There are people that need a meeting that right. need to somewhere to go. That Do you think they're going to through web search and find uh, maybe the Facebook Cecil County recovery Facebook group and get guided to these online meetings? Or, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? <sighs> It's hard to say. I mean, right. I don't I don't know enough about today's generation of how they problem solve. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, when I got clean, there wasn't an option of going to like a social media page and trying to search out, you know, if you went, you wouldn't find like Cecil County N.A. You would find the Susquehanna area page. Right. But I don't know what, you know, that doesn't have updated information on which meetings are closed and which ones are open and how to connect with online meetings and all those things. Am I not on that? Um, page? I might not have that one. Yeah. So oh, you're talking about the, the, the actual website. website. Oh, yeah. yeah. Does that not, um, maybe that should point people towards, maybe they should mention Facebook groups that are useful, even if they're outside the fellowship. I don't know. Well, then you mention, get into, yeah. yeah, then you get into some gray areas yeah. on you know, are we promoting Facebook? And, yeah, yeah, affiliation with 
groups outside of fellowship. <sighs> you know? Just help people. <laughs> right. So what I've noticed, uh, and, and if we go back to this Facebook post uh, that we posted, we posted this on March 10th. What was that? Tuesday? Yeah. Monday? Oh, uh, yeah. What's today? Two, so 14, 13, 15? 12, 11. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, and so... Tuesday at this point in time seems like a fucking year ago yeah. because things have changed so drastically. But very early on, what we saw was that it's it, it, it seemed to be like at least two camps, maybe a third camp that sits somewhere in the middle of hey, let's let's just evaluate this. But there's the camp of oh my god, this is incredibly serious. Buy all the toilet paper, close down all the meetings. I'm not leaving my house. I'm not hugging. I'm not handshaking. I'm not doing any of that for sure. Circling up, you're out of your mind. And then there seemed to be the other camp of, this is crazy. Why are we getting out of hand over this? I'll give you some very selective statistics that somehow prove that this is right not to worry about it, right. whether that other things kill more people or the death rate for people under 50 is 0.00001% or like all these weird facts. Well, okay, well, we're not all under 50, so that's kind right. of useless numbers, but it definitely seemed like people were on just opposite ends of the spectrum, as with quite a few things in the political and non-political landscape nowadays. It was very polarized, and that's kind of what we saw when we asked the question on Facebook. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, Mary, talked about stop hugging and avoid circling up, and it's very contagious and will spread very fast. People can be contagious before they're symptomatic, stay safe. And, I mean, on Tuesday, this was like, shocking to me that people believe this i was like no are you fucking kidding i'm hugging people till i die right this is good for me to hug people kind of like what you and and we're we're going to come back to this a couple times i think when you mentioned that drug addiction is real and kills people and you'd rather take did you say that out loud on the thing that you'd rather take uh the chances with coronavirus than with untreated addiction i don't think i said it on here i said it to you before so yeah before the meeting jason and i were kind of talking about a little of this and um, I had just said, like me personally, if it came right down to it, I would pick having coronavirus over going back to active using. And that, you know, to me, the risk of, of active addiction is 10 times worse than the risk of getting this virus. Right. And so I, in general, would agree with that. Right. I, I And that's kind of where I was coming from Tuesday when I posted this and people had this reaction. Uh, Tom was talking about cases coming from out of the country, but now that we're going to be, you know, spreading it in the community and just uh, Mary went back to large groups over a thousand being canceled because I was trying to play devil's advocate because I was not believing in giving up hugging. So I I was saying things like, well, should we just stop meeting altogether? Right. right. Kind of a jerk about it Uh, in in a non jerky way. I I did want to see people's opinions. I don't know. So I was, yeah, I was of the, hey, I'm going and I'm hugging because that's what keeps me recovering, right? And now I'm kind of like, is that a really selfish way to go? Like, yeah, I agree. I would take my chances personally with corona over active addiction, for sure, right? And if this is my medicine for treating active addiction, then I should probably do this and not worry so much about coronavirus. Hugging is something that keeps me healthy. And at the same time, I can't spread active addiction to others, right? So am I being selfish and saying, hey, fuck it, I'm going to treat my bigger issue. And if I end up spreading this corona through hugging people to 20 others, fuck it, that's your problem to deal with. Like, do you understand what I mean? Like, that's spreadable to hurt other people. Active addiction really isn't. That's kind of my own issue. 
Yeah. And so when I said that, I don't necessarily literally mean myself. I think of it more as the active using addict. Like I think, you know, being an active addiction is worse than the potential potential of getting this virus. So, you know, there are, again, there are things you can do to limit it. Like my home group happened to be Thursday. And so by Thursday, things were still in a gray area, but were like a little more, they were starting to figure out some of this talking words of social distancing and, right. and all that stuff. So now my home group's pretty small and it just happened to be like everyone that was there this week was pretty much all home group members or people that come to that meeting every week, about eight of us that all know each other really well. And we all kind of jokingly laughed it off, but nobody hugged and we didn't circle up at the end and we didn't. <laughs> and, you know, it was just kind of like we all kind of made that. I'll call it respectful decision to like, hey, we can still show up at the meeting, but we can kind of be, you know, a little apart from each other. <laughs> like, like we don't necessarily need the hug and you can still have a meeting. Right. And so, you know, maybe that's a thing we need to do, like have someone who whatever, someone in your home group, the chairperson or whatever, stand out front and just say to people, hey, look, you know, we're still having a meeting, but because of the virus, we're not going to do any hugging or handshaking, or, you know, we're going to try to keep a little bit of space between ourselves during the meeting. We're not going to circle up after we can close from our chairs. This isn't usually how we do it, but, you know, better safe than sorry. Right. And you could just greet each person that comes. There's a lot of people that, for good reason, shouldn't come to meetings. If you're in high risk, you probably shouldn't come. Um, if you have relatives or elderly people or, or people that are at high risk at your home, you probably shouldn't go to a meeting with a dozen or so people and then go back to your house. Like those just aren't things you should do, right. you know? Um, so when I say there are some, what I'm going to call fairly simple, maybe a little bit, uh, annoying things that we can do to still have meetings, but yet really limit our exposure to the potential of getting the virus, you know, it's, it seems pretty minimal inconveniences that you can do and still have a meeting. And so it's interesting. You, you mentioned the word in there, social distancing, right? And, and some of, I tend to think that these connective factors are a huge part of our recovery. We talk about the 12 steps and that's cool. A lot of that leads us to be more connected back to society and with people and Part of our disease, I believe, is isolation, right? That's what it tends to lead us to. And and the isolation of like being alone in my own mind, like mine's the only thinking I have. I don't have outside people to run stuff by. I don't have outside people to share my hurt and shame and pain with. I don't have outside voices telling me, hey, you're not as unhealthy as you think you are. Like you're doing good. We're here for you. All these supportive factors come from not isolating. And so with Mm. social distancing, I understand that's not isolation, but it does feel very similar to like, oh, hey, uh, we were giving you this medicine for your your medical issue, your disease, right? And now we're going to take some of that medicine back. Maybe we'll give you a lower dose or just this other medicine that doesn't work quite as well. And it's very, it's it's scary, I think. Um, One of the stories I, I, I... brings up for me so a good buddy of mine pat a guy i love him he got some white blood cell cancer uh, a while back and went through a period where he was getting treated he had his entire immune system wiped out with chemotherapy 
and then he had stem cells of his own white blood cells reintroduced back into his system, and he had to basically grow a child's immune system all over again Hmm. inside of him, right? And so the suggestion was, hey, you don't want to be around people. It's winter. It's cold season. You probably don't want to go to meetings. You got a port in your chest. You don't really want to be hugging people. Like all these things that they're telling him about, you know, what he's going through, what he should do is basically sit home alone and be away from everybody. And yet his like oncologist, his cancer doctor said, listen, you know, because he was honest with him about his recovery and everything. He said, listen, that's what you do to remain happy and healthy in your life is you get up and go to work every day and you go to these meetings and these are the things that feed your soul. He's like, what good is it? Like the, your soul has so much to do or your spirit. And and look, this is definitely what this doctor believed, not scientific. Right. This doctor said your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it. These are the things that help you get healthy and better. I would rather you go to these meetings and risk getting a cold, even with your compromised immune system, because you have a better chance of recovering if you're living a fulfilling life, basically, was was the gist of it. And so I just find that wild, right? Like, hey, these are the health recommendations of bacteria and viruses you might catch. But this is just as important to your health as living a happy, connected life. Like if you're just sitting at home isolated, you could just die from that, basically, almost not really, but... I don't know. So I look at that and, and the time we're in now, and I kind of think partially the same thing, sort of what you're saying. Like, I, I kind of need this. Maybe I maybe I do need to not hug for a little while because this is so big of a deal. But maybe I still need meetings. I still need to feel connected in some way, shape, or form, or, or my spirit is just going to drop, man. And that's dangerous for me. Yeah, and so I don't think we need to have an all or nothing, you know? I don't think that either one of those... You know, we, again, had the meeting the other day. We all still were in the room. We laughed and had a good time and made some jokes about all of it. But again, we all kind of separated a little bit. So, you know, we didn't get that hug. But there again, there are things you can do if you're really worried, I guess I would say. Um, because I can tell you what I would do. If a newcomer came in and they came up and opened their arm to hug me, I would hug them. Right. That's just what I would do. You know what I mean? I would not reject them. Um, if it's somebody I know all the time, I might sort of make a joke or, you know, I don't know, conscious or unconscious. We didn't hug when we met up this morning. You know, it's like yeah. I don't always hug guys that I'm really close with when I see them everywhere all the time anyway. I do a lot, but not right. every single time all the time. So now it's probably we won't hug for a little while, <laughs> you know, just because better again better safe than sorry the instinctual part of it kicks in so quick yeah it sure does um but then that's the thing too is like is it really just a hug that's gonna gonna transfer it i know it can but i think you know if you're just sort of being careful hold your breath give them a hug go back wash your hands you know (laughs) like you're probably good it's Right. You know, you can you can really be safe and minimize, you know, your risks without just totally, you know, avoiding people for the next two weeks. My my daughter's friend is moving. Uh, their whole family's moving to Florida in like a week. It's like her best friend. And so they're this last week. They're trying to spend some time together. And yesterday they were going to go to a trampoline park. And I was like, I don't know. That's outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Let's not. Oh, sweat. Spit. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, we'll be ended up compromising. I was like, find something outdoors. We ended up going to the local zoo yesterday. Oh, uh, cool. But when we got there, 
the girl's parents dropped her off and I instinctively walked up and, you know, stuck my hand in the guy's window to shake his hand and introduce myself. Cause I'd never met him before. <laughs> Afterwards I'm like, God damn it. I can't follow the rules <laughs> right. at all around here. Right. Um, so yeah, it is, it is an instinctual thing. Um, one of the things I just, I really wanted to point out. So like we talk about these Facebook comments and a lot of them were funny and, and talk about online meetings and don't get people started. Don't leave your house or breathe. Um, you're powerless over the coronavirus. That was Kirsten. Uh, you know, Reed said coronavirus lives on toilet paper. Uh, Brian, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, old Jennifer, our president Trump said it's a hoax and it's all under control. So no worries. Uh, good old David, our buddy, David kill anyone who sits on their phone, the whole meeting, not paying atten- any attention, then shares, then goes back to their important phone. Blame the death on the coronavirus, drink more coffee, and feel superior. <laughs> uh, I definitely like the tongue-in-cheekness uh, of that. And so I, I just, what I, where I was at on Tuesday with all this was that we were overreacting. That was my definite word, right? This is such an overreaction for everything. It's going wild. And it, I can understand why people would have that reaction, right? I understand why we think other people are overreacting, why we think the world's overreacting, why we think this isn't a big deal, why we think it doesn't affect us, who cares? I get that reaction. And so I'm not trying to bash anyone who's thinking that, posting that on Facebook, whatever it is you're feeling like is the right response. I'm not trying to knock anybody for that. I am that guy. I am the guy who says, People are fucking stupid. This is dumb. Why are we having this reaction? I am surely that guy a lot of times. But what, I, what I've been able to do, I guess, through taking a, a different approach to this, uh, looking it up for the podcast, looking at facts that I could find, I've just really been able to look at this in a very interesting and curious way to me. Like, it, it's very, it's so crazy. Like, I've never seen this in my lifetime. We've never shut down schools for two weeks. Right. We've never, like... Schools, all sporting events. Right. All of (laughs) sports is shut down. Like this is some wild shit going on. Right. And I'm, I'm, my mind is completely blown by it. So this is where I'm at right now. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at, uh, everybody's like, Oh, work from home if you can. And and we're doing all this remote stuff and, and kids are doing schoolwork at home through computers. And I'm like, wow, we live in such a wild fucking time that Mm -hmm. we might have the ability to get ahead of a fucking natural pandemic. That's incredible, honestly. Maybe we are being goofy, but that's incredible that we have the ability globally to like try to slow the spread down. I, yeah, yeah, and the truth is we've had the ability to get ahead of this. Um, that's one of the things that's being a little bit overlooked. So the doctor I mentioned earlier wrote a book, and I have to look it up in a minute, but he wrote a book predicting similar things to this back in 2017. Like this isn't – this isn't some shocking thing that came out of left field. And I don't want to get too political, but I'm going to. Um, you know, President Obama had put in place some foreign health agencies all around the globe to try to coordinate efforts, you know, to respond to these kind of things with other countries and all that stuff. And President Trump came in and shut them all down, closed them all up. And now if you go back, he said a few things. Well, somebody in my administration didn't do that. It wasn't really me and and making excuses. But the truth is, you know, again, getting kind of back from specific politics, we haven't invested the money and resources into 
the healthcare system in the right ways. We invested into insurance and all this other bullshit, but we don't invest it into vaccines because vaccines now are real touchy politically. You got all these stars and fancy people out in Hollywood saying how they cause autism and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's a real touchy thing politically right now. So nobody wants to talk about or invest money into vaccines. Whereas if you go to infectious disease doctors, there's been quite a few of them that have been screaming. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? We know these viruses, disease, these ailments are out there. We know they will be coming and we can do something about it. And nobody did anything. And now here we are. To the people that minimize them and and make those comments, you know, why has it become okay that, oh, it's okay if thousands of people die. Like, that's completely fine. Like, to me personally, like, if we can do some minimal things to save lives, we should be doing those things, <laughs> like, right. you know, and, and same with environmental factors. Like if we can stop companies from polluting the environment, which causes the death of people, we should do those things. Like, I don't think it's okay that, oh, it's just a few thousand people around the world. So who really cares? It's not affecting me. So I don't give a shit. Right. Like that is the most inhumane attitude that I think anyone can take to any thing. And I say this from the perspective of a person in addiction who you see that that's their response to addicts. Like, Mm. oh, who cares? Doesn't affect me and my family. They're just getting what they deserve. You know, I'm fine. People I know are fine. Let the addicts die. You know, why invest money into that? Why waste our tax money on saving those people? Right. You know, it's like, what about when you become those people? (laughs) like like and now you know there's another group well it's it's not me it's just the old sick people that haven't taken care of themselves i mean why are we wasting all this time on them i want to go to my goddamn football game i don't want to you know miss my football game because some old people might die like that's the attitude of people and that's disgusting well i don't i don't okay the the one political thing i will say annoys me is that i keep seeing the post about how every two years election year there's always a new virus or something like there's a new fucking virus every year man get over it like and again that's what these infectious disease doctors have been saying that's what they keep warning you about it's going to keep happening no matter who's president yeah it's not about election years like this shit happens constantly there's always new factors to to look out for so i just i'm so tired of seeing that one particular annoying post i'm really trying not to use choice words here um but i don't want to I don't want to be the guy who sits here and says that people's views are disgusting today. Like normally I, I, it's not even that I disagree with you. I just, I really want to open my mind and say, look, if you have other views, I get that this, this time period will impact your life. It will make your life tougher. It will make things less fun and more annoying for you to do what we're about to do. There's two weeks off this whole new way of life for a lot of people, your kids being home and you not having childcare coverage and you having to work and all of this is going to fucking affect your life. And that sucks. And I'm trying to be compassionate about that. That does suck. It's different. It's not what we want. I just don't think the reaction of this is stupid and people who believe in it are, are overreacting and stupid. I don't think that's going to help us. Right. This has the chance to possibly save lives. Even if it doesn't save lives, if it has the chance to possibly save lives, is it not worth trying? Right. And so that's where I'm coming from with this. It's not, hey, uh, fuck you people who disagree with me or, or, or who think this is all dumb. It's like, hey, I, I get where you're coming from, but 
maybe can we just like try to look at this in a new light and stop bashing everybody and just, hey, maybe we can save a few lives. Is that not worth it? Right. What cost is it? How many lives do we need to save over a couple of weeks or months for this couple of weeks or months of inconvenience to be worth it to you? Right. How many do we need to save? Is it a thousand? Is it 10? Is it one? If, if we all as a global community did this for a couple of weeks and we're inconvenienced and we save one life, is that not enough? And so that's just kind of where I'm coming from. Like, let's let's just try to step back and not get caught up in our hunches and feelings and just really look at this at a base level of like, we're, we might be able to help. So why not try to help? I yeah. Guess. And I think the hard part. So now I'm going to kind of flip over to the other side for a minute and okay. say the hard part is. This is just one virus now. Next year, we know in winter there's going to be a version of the flu out there. And that, again, it quite honestly, will kill more people in the United States. Well, has the potential to kill more right. people. I don't know, honestly, because this is still going. But, you know, next year's flu has it. So why are we not doing this with the flu? Why, when flu season starts, do we not start shutting everything down, locking people at home? I mean, that's the, the flip side of this is like, where do you draw the line on which you know, disease is, is more dangerous and less dangerous and who gets to make that decision. And, and we don't have a set, like if this percentage of people die, then it's a worrisome thing. But if a lower percentage of people die, then it's fine. Well, I don't, I don't know that we're doing this for the percentage of people that die or not. I think it's more of just the, the ability of it to spread so fast. I don't think the flu spreads like this. Like, yeah, it's flu season. People catch it, but not at this rate, like this is alarming rate for something to spread. Well, see, my understanding was different. My understanding is what makes this so dangerous. It ex- spreads exactly like the flu. And that if you look at how many, I think they said, you know, and I might get this slightly wrong, but like 45 million people got the flu in the United States last season. So, you know, if 45 million people got this, the death toll would be in the hundreds of thousands because of the percentage of, you know, the percentage is way higher and that 0.1% of people that get the flu will die. Whereas I think they're saying in the neighborhood of two to 3% of people that get this would die. How do so many fucking people get the flu, dude? I haven't had the flu in like 20 years and I don't ever get a flu shot. And again, because most people will get a really mild version of the flu to where they might think it's a cold might last a couple days. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get flu shots every year. I get sick once or, you know, I have kids that are in school. So I get sick once or twice a year where I'm down for a couple of days. I feel like shit. You know, I don't do anything. I'm a little achy. That's probably a version of the flu. Not dangerous to me. Most of the time, I'm not limiting what I do. You know, I'm trying to push to go to work. You know what I mean? I'm trying to push to... Oh, the kid's got a baseball thing and I don't feel like it. I don't feel really well, but I'm going to go anyway, you know, and I'm not thinking I'm infecting all those people (laughs) (laughs) or I'm going to work. You know, I can't afford to take off work. Work's not shutting out. So I'm going to work when I'm half sick. We live in a culture of you better fucking show up at work or you're going to get fired. People look down on you for calling out sick when like you're trying to really protect other people. Right. So at, at least my understanding of this was that that's, that's why they're shutting all these things down because it does spread that easily. And that if it's the percentage of deaths that make this so much higher, you know, See, it would be a hundred times that. more people than the, 
than I the flu. I didn't think the flu had like the double spread time over a few days because if so, I mean, it would. That seems like that would just overwhelm our emergency response system too. Yeah, and I think with the the flu, at least we don't really test for it. You know what I mean? You don't get a flu test. You go to the doctor. A lot of people go and get flu shots. That's another thing with the flu is we do have a vaccine that works for 50% of the people that get the vaccine. It works. And then (laughs) another percentage, it really lowers, you know, maybe it won't be the exact uh, vaccine that, you know, gets rid of the flu for them, but they'll get a much milder version of the flu. Like they'll have some immunity or a little bit of build up right. immunity. So they're not getting like the full blown flu. They'll get a weaker version. So maybe somebody who who knows what the fuck they're talking about can help us out with that one at some point. Um, so I, okay. Uh, another argument that I thought of is like, I'm the guy who will try to stay home and avoid the coronavirus. Like I, I'll change my whole life around to avoid it. And then I'll end up like chopping my arm off in a house accident that wouldn't have happened if I was just out living. And uh, I think that's a pretty, I don't know. I have this, uh, this take on life of like, let's let whatever happens happen. And so that's a hard one for me to change up and say, no, you know what, let's be a little more respectful of this and understanding and change some things up because maybe that's what it's called for here is to change a few things. And so I I think that also ties into other people's feelings. They don't like to change. They don't want to change their normal patterns. They think whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's definitely my take on it a lot of times. Oh, if I stay home, I'll die in a house fire because I should have been out. (laughs) You know, I can't avoid my my fate, my destiny. Um, Well, and then there's some, I mean, there's just some, and maybe today this is not fair. Well, it is. So I have to go to the grocery store. Like we need fucking food. I have kids and a family at home and we, I didn't, I'm not a prepper. So I didn't stockpile for weeks of food supplies, you know, like we used all the food that we, not all, but you know, we're getting low on food and we have to go get food for the kids in the house and stuff. So now I have to go to, you know, whatever shopping center, which is going to be just a breeding ground for whatever viruses are there because those places have been overrun and inundated with oh people um all you the know, people that went for those supplies are definitely going to people that be the people who have this for sure right. like they were all there in close proximity fighting over meat and toilet paper <laughs> <and shit. laughs> coughing all over the hot dogs right right so now you know they you just have things in your life that you right. can't 100 percent avoid you know, and what do you do about those things? Right. And so and I think that's where the the healthy bit of this comes into play. So it's not, oh, hey, fuck it. I'll just do whatever because whatever's going to happen to me anyway, even though that is my normal standpoint. Right. It's more of a, OK, let me go with the flow. These people who supposedly know way better than I do about these kind of contagious diseases are suggesting we shut these things down. Maybe since they're shutting down sports and schools, maybe there is more to this than I really fucking understand. And it's a big deal. Right. Uh, And and maybe I do need to take some changes and precautions and yet still live a life of I can't avoid everything. I do need to live. And from the point of I've taken these precautions, but now whatever happens, happens. There's not a whole lot I can do about it at this point. Um, I have completely avoided the grocery store for sure. We do <laughs> online ordering. We usually get that on Sunday mornings, but they didn't have any open slots until Monday. I was, I was just going to say the yeah. same thing. Oh, we when we tried to do it, it was Tuesday. Uh, so okay. now it's Were up you to, Walmart. 
Yeah, that's, that's what, what we, we did. There. Is it uh, Martin's? Oh, I didn't know Martin's. And yeah, so we did it Saturday, and they already were booked up until Monday. So we started it Saturday and booked it for Monday. So we'll be picking up ours tomorrow, which hopefully they have something. Yeah, like, I don't we know started we Friday or yesterday, and their soonest pickup was Tuesday. And we're like, oh, we can't wait till Tuesday. for. Oh, so I mean, we probably could, say. but yeah. <laughs> There's too much fun. But we don't want to, and I don't feel like going on Tuesday. Yeah, I got you. Uh yeah, that's tough, man. I, I'm just curious what they have. I'm not a big toilet oh, I paper know. warrior, really. I'm honestly, I've like pictured this. I'm like, okay, you run out of toilet paper, then what, right? I'm like, we got washcloths and water. Yeah. I could use a wet rag. And then I started, I know this is a little too much information. I was like, a warm, wet cloth on my butt might feel kind of nice, <laughs> yeah, actually. Right. Like, that could be right. soothing. So yeah. I, I'm all right with that. If or you just shit the that, shower. That's it. <laughs> do not do this. I have a story about this. So... <laughs> I was in the shower and I had just got off the toilet one day, right? And I was like, oh, well, I'm in the shower. Like, it's what a big deal, right? And I don't know. I just had this assumption that when you shit, it goes down. And I learned that day that that is not what happens. It goes straight back from your ass towards the wall <laughs> and sprays everything on the shower wall. So don't ever fucking shit in the shower. I have learned now, a lesson. I didn't say shit in the shower. I said shit to shower. Oh, okay. You shit on the toilet and then you get in that. the shower. Yeah. Well, that was a good time for my story anyway. Um, so now I think what we're learning here, hospital-based meetings are mostly closed. Uh, obviously we're talking about health departments are closing and close, you know, government buildings, they're closing. So you can't have meetings there. Many churches are closing and not giving meetings the ability to meet. And so what we are faced with is uh, a time when we're going to have to look to alternative solutions about what can we do for our recovery while our normal recovery modalities don't work. And this is where I think I'm starting to get more and more excited, right? And this isn't, honestly, this is like a great list for anybody. This isn't just about recovery. Some of these are a little recovery specific, but some of these I'm just looking at as a human, um, as a new opportunity to do something different. And I'm kind of really excited about this. One thing I would say, first and foremost, uh, look to social media. I know that sounds a little crazy. Skip past all the posts that don't fit in <laughs> right. with whatever your belief system is or seem rude because uh, there's plenty of that out there. But there is plenty of social media groups being formed, information being passed around about this meeting's closed. This meeting's definitely open and meeting. These are where we're going to go if for the closed meetings. We're going to have them online. This is online resources. Like There's a lot of information on social media that you can find. And so I think... If that's what you're looking for, you can definitely go about that healthy route. Um, if you don't know that. how to find those groups in most, you know, my being familiar with 12-step fellowships and stuff, if you don't know how to find those things, reach out to someone in your area that's that person that's really involved in service and that's at all the events. They'll know where the groups are and what the group's names are because some of the names are a little weird and they're a little generic, so right. it might be hard to find, you know, specifically to your area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think if you found our, our podcast, you probably have some idea about some how to find some group somewhere <laughs> yeah. for sure. We're probably not the easiest thing to find either. Um, you want to skip each other one or whatever? Oh, sure. So also talking about Zoom Skype meeting options. Yeah, just web conferencing ideas. If your home group specifically would like to still meet as a home group or you like the idea of talking to people local to you and not just phoning into some random uh, meeting, definitely look into your options for a, a web conferencing meeting or a group call meeting. 
Yeah. And we had talked about it and, and I started looking into it. Jason and I had talked about, you know, trying to set something up possibly, or some other people had talked about trying to set something up. And so I took a couple minutes and started looking into it. I thought it would be really difficult. It really doesn't look that hard. I mean, there's some, if you were going to do it on a regular basis, it might get pretty weird. Right. Um, but it's easy enough to invite some people within a group, have them join a video conference, kind of up to 25 people. Looks like you can do for free, at least on some of them. So. Oh, my God. So I did a deep dive into this and <laughs> yeah. looked some shit up. And like basically there's like anywhere from you can do three people to 100 for free, depending on which service. But a lot of them are capped at 40 minutes, which isn't a quite full meeting. And <laughs> I don't know if you can do them back to back or if somebody else would have to start them or Right. It was a whole lot of restrictions. Um, thankfully, we actually have access to something where we can do 100 and we can do it unlimited. And right. Beautiful stuff. Thank God we won't have it forever. It's only because, honestly, Google has this thing in place for the coronavirus yeah. that's letting everybody work from home that we have it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not too tricky. There's some ways around it. You can figure out the easiest one that you're familiar with. Uh, maybe this will become a big Android iPhone separator and all the iPhone people will just only do FaceTime yeah. and not... They'll exclude all the Android addicts will relapse. I, I don't know how the fuck that'll work. But. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me about that, again, when I was looking into this was how do we make it available to new people? How do we make it available to, yeah. to people we don't know? Right. Um, Cause you can only invite people that, you know, <laughs> well that and a newer person might not have a phone. I assume most people get a free phone early on nowadays, but maybe the guy just coming out of, a detox center didn't go in with one and doesn't have a phone. So now right. how does he connect to this web meeting that we're having? Right. I right. don't have that answer. Um, maybe we can look out for the people. If they go into halfway houses, their halfway house, you know, mate can help them get on or, or share the phone with them. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you can do in place of not being able to go to meetings is call your network. You know, those phone calls we say we're going to make every week that we always just assume the other person's too busy to, to take. Yeah. We can make those, those phone calls. Uh, yeah. Work steps. Like oh my now's God, a good time <laughs> or you're stuck at home and you always say you never have time to do it. Now you can write on your step work. Right. And the crazy thing about that is, so every time I've given up a thing, whether that was drugs, whether that was vaping, smoking, uh, right now I'm kind of in the midst of not having sugar. There's always this period of like staying super busy to avoid the feeling of not having sugar or what lies beneath that. And I definitely noticed yesterday, it has not even been 24 hours and I am already sitting in my house in my, you know, somewhat quarantined state as like, oh fuck, now what? Like I got to sit here and not eat all these sweets that are around me. What right. the fuck am I doing? That's hard. Yeah. Um, Wow. So I'll say this one. I am a little uh, politically weird about this one. So rethink supporting needle exchange, which I'm a big supporter of needle exchange, although I worry about the uh, what do they call that when you take a when you take a bad thing and try to politicize it, uh, <laughs> like when they take a mass shooting and try to make it about gun control right, all of a sudden. Right. So but I will say that, you know, that is the truth. Like this is a virus that could very easily be spread through intravenous drug use and you yeah. get IV users you know, without clean needles are going to spread it. I don't know that people who don't care to have needle exchange are really going to give a fuck about addicts spreading the virus. Yeah. But uh, what if this gets back because it's spreading back to your grandmother, back to your mother, right. back to somebody that matters to you. Right. And that is kind of the point in this. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to politicize it either, but I, I do think it's a valid point. Like if we don't yeah. believe in needle exchange, well, what do we do during pandemics when it really matters? Right. Yeah. Fuck the addicts. Let them pass 
Pepsi and AIDS to each other, but right. But now they've this? all become carriers that right. are all in your community and right. they are not getting tested and their health is poor anyway. So the likelihood that they're even going to seek medical attention is very low because they probably don't have insurance and yeah. you know, yeah, they not only do they present a high high risk to themselves, but they're a high risk to the community as well. Absolutely. Um, one of the things you can do, uh, there's all kinds of recovery resources and I'm going to cover a few of these all at once. They're all mm. online. There's, there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's so many different speaker apps and, and YouTube, and it doesn't even have to be recovery based. Like you can go on YouTube and just watch motivating speakers or people who speak about feeling good or things that work for, you know, help helping you in regular life. Mm. Like this doesn't have to be just recovery though. There's plenty of recovery outlets out there uh feel free to spread these resources to people who aren't aware of them there's probably a whole world of people who don't know that recovery podcasts exists and there's probably 500 fucking recovery podcasts yeah. right? so like spread the word man get it out there like people can read about recovery people can talk about it people can listen to it it's everywhere and same with like with the ted talks you know i went down a rabbit hole of you know, maybe not specifically about recovery or your 12 step group, but there are definitely ones about how to live better, about happiness, about, you know, quality of life things, about, you know, mental health and overall health. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to remember what they were called, but there was a whole series on basically improving your life and, and becoming a better person. Right. Um, and I found that incredibly helpful and useful in a lot of my approaches to my recovery. That's awesome. Yeah. Ted talks are a great idea. Uh, what we got call your sponsor. I mean, God, I never call my sponsor. Rarely. I do see him pretty frequently, but, uh, the actual phone call that's, that doesn't happen too often. A lot of text messaging. Uh, but maybe during this period, while I'm not doing as much, maybe I will pick up the phone more and, and stay in contact and less ice. My social distancing without isolation yeah. will be my goal. <laughs> Uh, grab a buddy and make a 12 step call. There you go. We haven't talked much about the newcomer, uh, but maybe this isn't even about the newcomer. Maybe this is the guy who you used to see him at your home group every week and you haven't for a couple of weeks cause your home group's not going on or whatever, but he's not staying in contact like the rest of your home group members are. Maybe grab a buddy and go reach out to him at his house. Uh, yeah. Or if you know someone who is high risk and might be a little worried about I wouldn't suggest just showing up knocking at their door. They might be a little freaked out, right. but give them a call. Hey, you know, me and another guy are thinking about coming over just to catch up with you. You know, we'll make sure we're real clean. Neither of us have any symptoms. We've been both feeling pretty good. You know, you up for a visit? Like, you know, we'll sit on the porch outside. We'll stay right. six feet away, you know, whatever, like respecting that. But, but reaching out because we do have a lot of people in our fellowship that are older and are at high risk because of health issues. You can just stand out front of their house with a boombox held over your head, blasting our podcast towards their house, <laughs> just like an eighties movie. And that'll be totally safe. Um, yeah. What's the next one here? Uh, be compassionate to people who believe in the risks, even if you don't. Yeah. Yes. And so that just kind of goes back to, Hey, let's stop spreading the hate everywhere. Right. It's always hate. People are always stupid for doing this or dumb for doing that. Or why don't they think like I do like, Hey, even if you are a person who does not believe in this whole coronavirus risk or outbreak or why we're doing any of this, maybe just be compassionate that some people do and, and they're nervous and worried. Uh, 
What kind of one of the things I thought about this morning, we're so angry at the people buying toilet paper. I've heard them call called scumbags and, and over shoppers and hoarders and all these terrible names. Like, how do we know that these people are not ultimately at their house giving it out to the people in their street or in their community who run out? Like, right. do we really know that these people are shitty people? Obviously, they're shitty. They have all this. <laughs> yeah, right. They need a lot of paper. Right. But no, I mean, do we really know that they're being crud balls about it? Like, maybe they're really, hey, if anybody on my block runs out, I want to make sure I have something to give to them. Let me buy a couple extra rolls. I get trying to save some for others, but how do you know? Like, I don't know. I just, we're so quick to fucking hate everything. Right. And and to throw people into the worst case scenario. And, you know, let's, again, we can, if we're going to make assumptions, let's err on the side of compassionate assumptions. Let's right. assume that hey, it's pretty sad that they have to live in that level of fear, you know, like that they are so fearful of life that, you know, that's their major concern. Like, wow, that's got to be tough to be stuck in that. Maybe they have a mental illness or some sort of other thing that, you know, they're not all automatically selfish assholes. (laughs) And and how grateful can I be that I don't also struggle with that thing that they're going through that makes them do that, right? Right. Which we just tend to hate instead of having gratitude or compassion. And that's a really struggling thing for me. And my wife would tell you that don't think I'm judging you because I am that guy 90% of the time too, right? (laughs) Right. I I struggle with these things. I'm just trying to remind us all to be here. Um, Well, and we all fall into, and this is what you see. I read a thing about the toilet paper and it's like a herd mentality. Like, oh no, they're buying all the toilet paper. I'm not going to have any toilet paper. I better go get me a bunch of toilet paper. And we all fall into that. Whereas if, if instead of following the herd, let's be the one that tries to start our own herd in a different direction and be like, Here's the herd, warm rag wiping your butt. Doesn't that sound so nice? It just sounds so pleasant. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I got a fetish. Um, so this is one that really hit me hard, and this is for any motherfucker. This is not just for a recovering addict, right? We are always caught up in this rat race. I am the one to sit here and say that my kids play too many sports and I'm always running to practices and and games and events and this, that, and the other. And look, yeah, I am a little sad that that stuff is like on hold or possibly canceled right now. But, but I have the time in life to step back from the rat race right this second. I know not everybody's in my position and not everybody's off of work. I get that. But there is a lot of, change in normal everyday life right now it's like a Hmm. semi-quarantine state we're in right even if you are going to work there's a lot of things that aren't happening like let's take this opportunity to step out of that fucking race for a minute and just chill right go outside the weather's getting a little nicer just go outside and just be just be i don't ever get the fucking chance to do that i don't get the chance to take weekday hikes with my family i don't get the chance to just sit outside on the front porch and enjoy the weather and how it feels on my skin. Like, and I know this sounds like some Buddhist meditative, you would call it woo woo shit, whatever. This is wild times to be able to do this. So let me take advantage of that. I don't ever get that shit to happen. I'm always busy running to the next thing. Yeah. And funny enough, I do call it woo woo shit and I buy into all of it. We do all (laughs) of it anyway. You know, last night I went to uh, like a Native American sweat lodge thing, which is a total woo woo thing. But a couple nights before that, me and my son just went out and had a little campfire in the backyard and we're just sitting out there, you know, around it. Partially it was to clean the yard, but it's fun just to sit out there and have a little campfire and relax and just him and I just chilling for, you know, a half hour, 40 minutes, maybe, right? you know, and just doing nothing, 
you know, it's, it's nice. <laughs> it is. It truly is. Uh, and that, you know, ties into that. Take a hike is also on here. I think we just kind of talked about that. And that was another thing about getting outside. So they are saying, you know, getting outside is, is safer. Um, we could do that with meetings. You could have a meeting outside of a facility. If, yeah. You know, there's nothing. We've done it at my home group just because it's at a beautiful area. Sometimes it's kind of nice outside. We've just taken the chairs and sat outside and had the meeting outside. My um, old home group, and we were in right out. No, I think we were actually in Baltimore City at this point. Uh, and we would take the meeting outside at times and sit on the church front steps because we didn't want to carry all the chairs out yeah. i mean you're talking 50 people sitting <laughs> yeah. in front of a church having a meeting right. there's people across the street it was a little awkward we, we yeah. kind of put an end to it at some point but yeah fuck it take it outside yeah. right? and and my home group's in an area where we could easily sit outside yeah, it wouldn't nobody, nobody would care <laughs> um but you can also do little get-togethers at your house you know what i mean like Absolutely. have people over to your house have you know outside have a don't let them inside they might corrupt your house but you right. can have them outside <laughs> oh they're gonna piss if they go outside your house they're still gonna go in yeah bonfires though. Yeah. bonfires <laughs> i'm definitely on point with that oh, you know? oh uh yeah so we got some outdoor activities um play catch play frisbee go swing yeah and, and those are just i mean obviously just a minute few things you can do in your front yard i guess if you're by yourself maybe go boomerang or something <laughs> so come back to you yeah. if you can figure that out but yeah there's so many outdoor activities and this was just the point that started to become really exciting right let's look at this a different way instead of the inconvenience it is to the normal things i do what can i do that i don't normally get the opportunity to that would be really cool to try or or you know participate in maybe i can take walks out front of my house that i don't normally have the time for and yeah. just be healthier and live and it almost ties in with you know, last week's topic with your client that didn't know what they like to do. Well, here's an opportunity to break your normal of what you normally do. Right. I mean, if you've never done something, you don't know if you like it or not, you right. know, and you can try right. something new and realize that, wow, I really enjoyed this. I had a really good time doing it. Um, so this is an opportunity to kind of break from that normal chain of events and try some different things and, and experiment with some new activities. Yeah, fucking archery or something. I don't know. There's just like right. so many possibilities. It's it's incredible. Uh, and that's just kind of where I think we're at, man. We have this really unique opportunity. Yes, we can look at it as an inconvenience, a terrible thing, a panicky situation. Or we can really look at it as a super unique opportunity to just do some different things and try some different things. And Maybe a reminder to be compassionate to all different kinds of thinkers and believers in the world. And they don't have to agree with us and we don't have to agree with what's going on, but we can still kind of go with the flow and make the best of it. Yeah. And, you know, as far as uh, potentially, I guess, some resources for for people looking for I guess, online meetings and stuff. If you just Google your, this is a little off topic, but if you just Google your fellowship and online meetings, they'll come up. Or if you just Google recovery meetings online, you can find stuff pretty easy. They're not hidden. They're not that right. secretive, you know. Um, same with local parks and stuff. If you're not sure where to go, just Google, you know, or, or look up, you know, internet search for local parks. In our area, there's a couple different local parks that have playgrounds and walking trails and bike paths and hiking, you know, opportunities, right. Um, places to walk your dog, dog parks, you know, all those kind of things. If you truly don't know where to hike, there is an app 
called All Trails, which has a paid tier that I will never pay for because I'm a cheap motherfucker. But, uh, it's also got a free tier that at least tells you where the local hiking spots are, and you can filter by how long and how difficult and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that's a good resource for hiking. Um, but yeah, Google, uh, as much as I'm not trying to advertise for yeah, Google, me neither. it is pretty goddamn easy to search up some stuff, use the right search terms, and, and you can find a lot of what you're looking for. Um, even if you, you could probably, at this point, Google... Uh, ideas for things to do while I'm off during the coronavirus yeah. and, and find lists of incredible things to try out. Well, and far as now, I know even like the movie theaters are still open. They're doing some social distancing, limiting number of seats. Some things are doing stuff like that. They're like shutting down the release of new movies. And sh- I'm just like blown away by all yeah. this stuff, man. It is wild. I, mean, well, I think those are just financial like decisions. They don't want to release right, and then no. have it have a low Absolutely. because the movie theaters are limiting number of seats. So. No, absolutely. I'm just, I'm so infatuated with all this now just because it's so unique and I've never lived through anything like it. It is pretty. I'm like, wow. So I've been jokingly saying to people, it reminds me of all like those video games I played in the 90s, like Resident Evil and stuff like that. And and it always seems like in those games, like it's not the virus that you got to worry about. It's the any, it's the vaccine that comes out Mm. that's going to really turn you into like the next, you you know, crazy zombie thing. So we don't need to be so worried now. People are just dying. Wait till they come out with the vaccine. That's going to turn you into genetic mutation. That's I definitely, when, yeah, when all this was going on, earlier we in the week, I was like, oh my God, we're, this is dystopian future. Like we're all going on house yeah. arrest. That's what's coming next. And so Friday I'm at my house and the fucking power goes out. And I'm like, oh my, I'm losing my goddamn yeah. mind. It felt well, weird. And it is a little disturbing. They're talking about like state of emergency yeah. and calling out the national guard. And like, I, I work in Delaware. Delaware and the next state over. So the guy that I work with and stuff is like, see you Monday. Like, I don't know, maybe not. The National Guard might be at the state line telling you you fucking can't come into Delaware. It's crazy. It is definitely updated <laughs> by the hour. And it, and like I said, I'm just, uh, yeah, of course there's a little scary, but it's just so wild. right? Yeah. It's so wild that this stuff's going on. But uh, I think we have killed it. Uh, hopefully you had some extra time to listen because you're, you know, don't have as much to do due to the (laughs) coronavirus and and this didn't interfere with your life, but uh, everybody have a great week. Stay safe out there. I hope you found this useful. Um, And again, just keep plugging into alternative sources of recovery, man, and stay in that path. Yeah. Recovery will survive the coronavirus. Excellent. See you later. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.